And we're live. All right. Let's uh, let all the notifications hit, and then we'll get rolling here. Thanks so much for joining. Concurrent viewers, one. I think that's me. I think I'm the only viewer right now. So we'll wait to let everyone get in here. We got a couple, looks like. Pull the channel up here so I can see who is watching. I have not done a live video in a very long time. Um, been actually like a really, really long time. So I uh, had a little bit of problems getting set up. That's why I'm a few minutes late. And yeah, there's that. So I guess we'll wait a couple more seconds here. Uh, who's all watching right now? It says I've got two viewers. Say hello to me in the chat so I know you're here. Let's get this scaled. All right, well, I guess let's get this rolling. Okay, welcome back. Sorry, I'm not used to this whole live thing, still getting kind of used to it. So thanks so much for joining me. Uh, yeah, I like I said, I just had this feeling that I should go live, so I'm going to try doing this video live. It's very weird. Uh, I'm trying to get over that. So um, before we get started, make sure you hit subscribe. That is the button down here, down down here, down in this corner, right? I don't know, which whatever corner that button is. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you hit the notification bell, and make sure you comment down below. That's really, really important. It, it helps with the algorithm and also helps me just know that you guys are watching. So again, my name is Justin Edmonds. Thank you so much. I'm a creative artist and this channel is all about encouraging you, giving you tools, talking about technology in the church, uh, all those kind of things. It's very, very important. If you aren't following me on Instagram yet, make sure you're doing that. Uh, again, Justin Edmonds uh, official underscores in between each word. So make sure you're checking those out. And did I mention that you should subscribe because you should subscribe to all those channels. I'm also on Facebook and uh, whatnot, so you can check me out there. So <clears throat> today what I really wanted to talk about is more along the lines of, and if you guys, uh, as you guys start getting on, uh, if you want to comment and we can talk about what you guys t uh, talk about in the chat. So, um, so what I really want to talk about is the like the work balance, making sure that you guys are um, like taking the time to like be in worship yourself. And for me, I know that for, for me, that's really, really complicated, really difficult for me to do that. Um, and the reason why that's difficult is my form of worship is doing like front of house or video, like just doing this technology stuff. Like that's really important to me. And that is, that's how I worship. And sometimes I just have a hard time worshiping in that. But I do it because I know that it's really important for me to not be focused on doing something and being able to focus on God. And honestly, I also really find it important to sit next to my wife not doing something else. Uh, and that I think is really healthy. So I know for a lot of us, that's really complicated because there is not another person to fill in for us. You know, maybe we are the only tech person in our church and that's really complicated. But you just have to find time. You have to do it. 
And that maybe that means that the church has to pay someone once a month for you to come in, uh, for them to come in and run sound and stuff for you guys. And that way you can sit down next to your wife or next to your husband uh, and just take a load off or just maybe not even come to service that day, maybe watch online and just relax so you don't get burnt out because that's really important. And I know that for a lot of us, there's a lot of people that get burned out really quick and really easy. I know for me, it's easy for me to get burnt out. And I think that that's really important that we just take some time. And that's really difficult for us tech people. Trust me, I'm very aware. It was so hard for me to sit in my old services and go, like the services that I produced, like everything that was going on was because of what I had implemented. And sitting there in service going, they missed that. Oh, they can fix it. They can fix it. They can fix it. Like it's really hard, but you have to let it go because A, for your own sake and your own health, it's important that that happens. B, because if you don't let them do it, they're never going to learn how to do it by themselves. And that isn't good either. Um, there's just so many reasons why. Uh, it's like, how are you supposed to get filled up if you are constantly like working on something? You know, pastor's speaking and you're over there trying to make sure that the web stream is, is working. Or making sure that the next thing is pulled up or making sure that the pastor slides are working or there's a problem with the microphone. You know, there's all those things that could go wrong or you could be doing during service, which prevents you from really being focused or really being like engulfed in what was going on. Now, that's not always the case. Sometimes you don't have problems and sometimes there's not stuff that's going on and it's easy for you to pay attention. And I think that I've been there. I don't think I know that I've been there. But at the same time... Um, I don't know. Um, apparently, when I'm live, I feel like I need, you know, water. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and I think that it's also really important that we talk to other tech people as well. Uh, and I've been thinking about starting an online Bible study uh, via Zoom or something along those lines uh, to get tech people across the country, you know, together, you know, once every other week or once a month or whatever, uh, and just encourage each other and pray for each other and actually dive into the word, you know, as other tech people that like tend to be the ones in the back during all of the events that the church does. And we don't tend to get a lot of time to just like, you know, empower ourselves and, and charge ourselves up. So let me know now, uh, let me know down in the comments if that's something that interests you. Uh, and if that is the case, I will, I'll put my email, uh, down there, but it is justin.edmonds at gmail.com. Shoot me an email letting me know, or message me on Facebook or Instagram and say, Hey, I'm really interested in doing that Bible study. Uh, and let me know because like, I, I want to get that rolling and in order to get that rolling, I need people to, uh, let me know that they want to do that. So, um, next topic, uh, I think I'm just going to do a couple different things that I've been wanting to do that I haven't really taken the time to do. Um, let's see, how long have we been going? About 15 minutes, I think. Um, I'm going to try and keep this to about 30 minutes. So some of the other things that I wanted to talk about are like, where do you get your creative inspiration? And like, should you be copying other people or should you be finding them for inspiration? I'm a firm believer in inspiration. I think that it's great to look at other people and go, oh man, I really like what Elevation's doing, or I really like what Church in the Move's doing, or what Gateway's doing, or Hillsong's doing. But like just completely like copying and pasting what they're doing isn't always going to be a good thing. That doesn't mean 
that it's going to be the best option for you. Uh, sometimes what people are doing, like what Elevation's doing in, you know, uh, what is it North Carolina? South Carolina, I always get confused which one's which, but whatever, in the Carolinas, whatever they're doing on there doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to work in New York City. Uh, in my podcast, which is uh, Technical Arts with Justin Edmonds, make sure you guys check out the podcast. Uh, I have up there a uh, conversation with me and BJ Shaver from L Acoustics talking about Elisa, and I also have a conversation up there right now with Chad Vegas from Transformation Church, who actually was also formerly at Bethel, and he was the head of their video and did a lot of... Um, the pioneering of uh, cinematic uh, online services. So make sure you check out those podcasts. Uh, a lot of this content goes up on that podcast. I'm also just talked with Mike uh, from V1 Church in New York City, talking about all of the technology and online. They have a massive online presence. So make sure you check all of that out. Um, but why I said something that made me think of the podcast. Um, oh... This is where editing comes in and being live kind of sucks. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So what I was talking about is co copying uh, whatnot. Uh, so like what Mike was saying in our podcast is like what was going on because he came from like Indiana and he's like, yeah, like the way that we did things in Indiana don't necessarily translate to the things you know that we are doing here in New York. Just like the people are just different, the way that they interact is different, the way that they schedule things is different. You know, they also can't drive into into the city very easily. There's not giant parking lots. They don't have giant buildings. You know, like there are 1,500 people and they're at three campuses because that's the only way that they can do that. Uh, but their online ministry is so important because a you know, outside of the pandemic, obviously they're all locked down, but even before the pandemic, before they were locked down, you know, not everyone can get into the city because it costs money to get on, through a tunnel over a bridge. You have to find parking in New York City. Like, you know, Mike even said in, the, in that interview, uh, <laughs> he's like, it could take you 15 minutes to get across town or it could take you three hours. He's like, you never know. And I think that that's really interesting to think. So that's why it's so hard to just copy and paste where it's like there are so many things that I think are awesome. That when I tried to deploy them at the church that I was working at, they were like, uh, yeah, I don't really like this. And it just like, it wasn't ringing in. And, you know, obviously some people were like, yeah, no, I love this. Uh, but it's, it's always interesting. You also have to be able to take criticism. People aren't always going to like what you do, uh, for stage displays, the way that you want to mix, uh, you know, if you want to mix like elevation and people want you to mix more traditional, you know, that's going to be something you're going to have to deal with. And I think that that's where the vision of things that I keep talking about comes in and being able to get on the same page as pastor and the elder board and go, this is what we want to do. This is why we want to do this. And I think that it's also important if you're on an elder board or a lead pastor, I think it's also important that you listen and don't just make decisions without talking to your tech team. Because sometimes, uh, especially if you guys aren't tech people or techy people, uh, it's really important for you to have the understanding of why the tech person wants to do it because maybe it's a reasoning that you go oh yeah we never thought of that that makes sense why we're doing that yeah we should probably keep doing that when you were ready to cancel or stop doing that so i just think that it's really important um looks like i got a couple of uh, watchers hey guys comment in the the chat and let me know who's here so i can say hi um it's just it's really important to make sure that we are getting that hi sarah glad you're joining um I just think it's really important as we cast vision and as we look at other people and we making sure that 
Uh, we're not just copying for the sake of copying because just, you know, what they're doing doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. Um, I've said this in a couple of conversations, a couple of videos where I go, I like this uh, stage design and I like this stage design. Let's take it, you know, mold these together a little bit and let's change the, you know, add a little bit of my own flair on there. I think that that's great. I think that like, we just need to look at these people for inspiration, not just to copy them. Um, so yeah, these live videos are just, uh, they're so fun. I'm not nervous in any way, shape or form about this. Um, I'm probably going to try to do a live video like at least once a month. Uh, I think that's going to be kind of the route that I'm going to go. Um, just because I I don't know that you just get those things where you go, I don't know why I feel this way, but I just do. And I don't know if this is going to turn into something or not. But yeah. So one of the other things that I wanted to talk about that I keep thinking about making a video and I haven't really had like the... I don't know. Every time I go to record these videos, I end up changing my topic last second and uh, I haven't ended up making them. And for some reason, this topic keeps popping into my head and it's such a simple topic that I don't know why I keep thinking about it, but I feel like I need to talk about it. And I don't think it's like a full 15 minute video or six minute video, but like, should we do two side screens or should we do one center screen? And it's really funny because it's such a simple thing and such a weird thing with everything that I've been talking about where it's like this vision casting, leadership, and how to do these things. And then this topic of just side screens or center screen, what should we do, keeps popping in and I always find it funny. So I'm going to talk about it because apparently it's important uh, or at least it's important to me. Maybe it's important to God. Maybe someone watching right now needs to know. But this is what my head has, where, where more of my thoughts are uh, for the the side screens or the center screen, is in the '90s when you had churches starting to pop up on TV and filming things. Uh, you had the beginning of what is now known as the mega church, uh, where you had a ton of churches that were small, and the big churches were like three or four hundred people capacities. Uh, maybe a big church was five hundred. And uh, honestly, today, technically, a 500-person church is considered a mega church. But they ended up building these 12 to 1,500-person sanctuaries. And that was kind of a new thing in the early 90s. And you had to do what's called IMAG. And I know most of you know what that is. But for those who don't know, IMAG is the side screen that has uh, the video of the pastor that's speaking on stage. It's a live feed, essentially. That's, you know, that belt buckle, like Texas shot, belt buckle up. And it was designed for the people that were sitting all the way in the back of the room, not to see the beady pastor, you know, it, that way he, they could see what pastor looked like. They could see the emotion on his face because it's very much like YouTube here where it's like, you want to see my emotion. That's why this like cropped in shot of me is so important. Um, that kind of just became a thing. So when you saw these wide angle shots of the sanctuaries, you saw side screens. When you would go to conferences, because usually the bigger churches were the ones that were hosting conferences, uh, you'd go to those conferences and you'd see them and people would go, well, that's what we should do. And that's why we should do this. And then it's like, well, I want to have things like Church on the Move. Oh, I want to have things like, you know, so-and-so. You know, and then people just say, hey, I want to have something like that. And then when you start planning a church or building a new building because the church is growing, which a lot of churches are growing over the last like 10 or 15 years, and it's like, oh, we want to do these side screens. Okay, well, 
my argument is, are you actually going to do iMag on them? Because if you're not going to do iMag on them, which, I mean, iMag is a whole other animal to begin with. So my uh, my opinion about iMag is that if the pastor is larger in person on stage than they are on the screen, you shouldn't be doing iMag. So just going to say that right now. Get that out of the way. Let's move on. So what I'm saying is like you are you right now, the viewer, my camera is the worship leader. Okay. And if the screen is directly behind you, when I'm looking at you, because you're leading, you know, the congregation in worship, that's what you're there for. If I'm sitting here worshiping and I'm connected with you, I'm connected with what's going on stage, you know, pastor speaking, you'd also be the pastor, scriptures behind you. I'm connected to you. I'm never being pulled away from what's going on on stage, the people that are leading us. But if I'm sitting here in worship, worshiping, worshiping, and I go, oh, I need to know the lyrics, and I have to like look off to the side. I'm now disconnected from what's going on on stage. And if you ever go to like a Broadway show or an amusement park or anything like that, you always notice, even at concerts, they don't want to pull you out of the center of what's going on on stage because that is what's leading us. The only time you see side screens at a large event in like a concert or an amusement park is again for IMAG because why would I want to pull your attention away from the person that's speaking or the person that's leading us in worship? Those are not the things that we want to do. So I've been a big fan of just doing the larger center screen. And the larger center screen, I think, does a couple things. Corrects and fixes the problem that I just talked about. It makes everyone still focused. We don't ever get disconnected. If you're sitting on the left or sitting on the right, you're always still going to the center of the screen, the center of the stage. That is just... That's just the reality. Uh, that's great. Um, the next thing is that you can also, being on camera, have it set up so that you can have a large enough screen that there's a backdrop. With ProPresenter and the and all of the the newer you know graphics you know, like software, you can put lyrics and scriptures anywhere on the canvas that you want. So when you're sitting down and you are deciding what, how you want to line this up have the pastor stand on stage or have someone stand on stage and then sit in the front row so you can see how high you have to have that scripture or that lyric and get it set. Make a, make a preset. It doesn't look weird, especially when you're on camera and when you're in the back of the room, it's not going to look weird. That's, I mean, that is what everyone is doing because that is what a lot of people are thinking of. The center lyrics I know is like something that we're so used to when we have screens that are up high or off to the left or right. And I just don't think that that's super important. All right, we got three people watching. What do you guys want to talk about? Comment. Sarah, I know you're still watching. Someone else is watching. Who is watching? Comment and say hi. Let me know who you are. Um, I got into a conversation with someone on a Facebook group this week. And I don't know how I feel about it. Because like, it's so difficult reading uh, comments in a Facebook group from someone you don't know because there's no body language, there's no tone. Um, and I hate like just jumping to a conclusion. Um, but it's like, I was doing this conversation and you know, the guy commented and said that we're just not going to do this. And that, you know, pastor's not, you know, doesn't think that this technology is super important. And I was like, oh, man, I'm like, how many have you asked? You know, oh, because oh, I posted a video from my company about budgeting, and he commented about how they don't budget for AV, and I was like, well, why would you not budget for AV? Like, I mean, in general, like, 
being proactive about things. Um, unplugged worship services. Oh, okay. Yeah. So here, I'll pause the story. Uh, unplugged worship services. I think that they have their place. I, I think that they are fun. I think that they can be really cool and really intimate. I think that sometimes we, um, sometimes we do them because we think that tech is distracting and that if we go unplugged, that it becomes less distracting. I will tell you right now that that's just not really the case. Every single unplugged worship service I've ever been a part of, there is equal amounts of tech that are just uh, disguised more. Because you still have to be plugged in. You still have to have lights. You still have to have cameras. You still have to have lyrics for the congregation. Maybe they're just not moving lights. And again, I think some of that comes down to the skill of the person that's deploying them. And maybe you shouldn't be deploying them because every piece of technology should be amplifying what uh, what's going on in the service and should be amplifying the emotion and the feeling that we're trying to convey during those sets. Hey, the other watcher is my mother. Of course, it's just my family. I appreciate you guys for watching so much. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I feel about unplugged worship services. I think that they're good. I think that they're needed. I think that it's... Um, even though the tech is still there, you know, sometimes like just the emotion that we want to convey is a little bit more stripped down and not it, like even though the tech is all still there. But most of the ones that I was involved in was because they felt like they were trying to like trick people into like thinking we weren't like doing all of the fancy stuff when we were all still doing all the fancy stuff. It was just we were doing the fancy stuff different, a little bit more incognito, I guess. Um but yeah, I mean, I know that like Elevation had like their acoustic set. Um, listening to that album is probably that's probably one of my favorite Elevation albums is that acoustic album, um, and that is like their unplugged set. Uh, Bethel's without words is also a very great album that I've listened to a million times. It's very soothing, very calming. So, uh, if you're thinking of it on that sense, Sarah, uh, I yeah, I think that they're fantastic. I think they're amazing. Um, so back to my story. So yeah, he just commented about how like they don't, uh, budget for AVL and uh, the whole video was talking about, you know, the different ways of budgeting, like preparing yourself, you know, for the long haul. Like maybe we just bought a soundboard. Okay. Well, how long do we think the soundboard's going to last? Uh, okay. Well, we think it's going to last seven years. Okay. Well, how much is the next soundboard going to cost us? Uh, well, we think it's going to cost us, I don't know, let's throw an arbitrary number out there. It's, it's going to cost us $10,000. Okay. Well, we have seven years to save for this $10,000 sound console. So that way we can be replacing it before it dies and maybe hopefully why it still has some value. And that was always my argument at the church that I worked at is why would we not, uh, try and replace our sound console because it's going to have to be replaced no matter what. It's going to die. It's a piece of sound equipment. It's a computer for the most part. It's going to die. It's going to have a problem. So why spend, you know, and at the church I was at, it was a pretty large church. Um, the sanctuary holds about 4,200 people. So we were on Digico consoles there. And it was like, you know, there's a $60,000 sound console. Why not uh, try and put a date on it, an expiration date of say, hey, in the next seven years or eight years, we're going to replace the front of house console at another $60,000 and we're going to sell the front of house console that we're on currently and say that it holds its value at at least 50%. Then we're going to recoup half of that. We get a brand new sound console essentially for 30 grand. Now that is 
always semi a risk because you're gambling that you can sell that console. Usually, if you are buying the correct consoles, there's always a market for it. Like for most people that are watching these videos, you're probably in like the M32 SQ, maybe Avantis from Allen Heath range. And I mean, think about there's 40,000 churches in the United States. There's always going to be a market for an SQ or an M32 or an Avantis size church that someone has an analog console that they haven't upgraded in 20 years, or they have an older digital console that they bought on the early days of digital consoling. Um, so there's always going to be something like that. So there's like, that's the type of budgeting we're talking about, you know, batteries, things that are, you know, these consumables and, um, hang on just a second, I got another comment. If you have an overflow room or maybe a parent room, what's the best way to stream the live service into those rooms? Okay. So I think that that is a good question that I, I changed that thought process when the pandemic hit because everyone went to camera. So before it was really complicated because maybe you didn't have infrastructure, you didn't have cameras and those kind of things. Now that we all have cameras, we're all live streaming. We can technically take the output of our live stream set up before it goes to a computer and we can dump that into like an SDI um, feed into any part of the building. So, they have all these SDI converters, so you can convert HDMI to SDI because SDI can go up to 300 feet. Uh, I think it's like 318 feet, I think, is what the limit for normal 6G SDI is. Uh, and that can get converted back into HDMI and get plugged into a TV, and that will pass audio and video. Little converters are about 100 bucks a piece, and then you can buy bulk cable or you can buy pre-made cable for roughly 50 cents to a dollar a foot, depending on where you're buying it from. So for about 500 bucks, you can get into a nursing mother's room. I find that important for like a nursing mother parent room or like you said, Sarah, an overflow room, because if you're a small church, you know, I've been to a lot of churches that, you know, they only have physical space for like 30 or 40 people. But if you have 80 people coming to your service, okay, cool. You, maybe you do two services, but maybe there's another room in the building that you can put people in. You know, you're a new church and you're just trying to figure figure stuff out. Uh, that would be the way that I would go. I think that's $500 well spent and my furnace is turning on. Sorry, uh, I shouldn't point those things out. Um, but yeah, that that's a pretty easy fix. And I think just dumping it into a TV is perfectly fine. Because if you're in a nursing mother's room, like, I mean, you're going to be in a small room anyways. And if you're in an overflow room, like a larger room. So, like, I've done some services in churches that are larger that, like, we've done big events where, like, you know, Joyce Meyer comes or something like that. The infrastructure that they have in those places is significantly larger, uh, a lot more in-depth, and uh, you can do a lot more. But for the smaller churches, I think definitely, definitely the easiest way would just be an SDI feed uh converted uh, in and out into HDMI with audio passed over it. All right, so back to my story. Um, so budgeting. And you um, you can't hear my furnace. Okay, good. Whew. Um, I'm always worried about that. This mic is actually really nice. I actually really love this Sure mic. I got it. It's like $250. Bucks. Um, it's the, like, the USB one. So, yeah, I'm so used to Normally, I shoot these with a lav. And the lav kind of picks everything up. This is a lot more directional, so I forgot about that. That's why I shouldn't have mentioned it. Um, so, um, but yeah, so he's just like, yeah, we don't budget for it. You know, when it breaks, we, re we replace it. And I'm like, well, what happens if you all of a sudden, like, the building gets struck by lightning 
and you're now needing a twenty or thirty thousand dollar sound system. And then like we've I've seen this. This has happened where something catastrophic happens to the sound system and the church didn't budget and they didn't have the money to replace it. So they set some, you know, cheap fix because they needed audio up and that just sat there. And it's like ten years later because well, it's just working. And he's like he made the comment about like um good enough is good enough and that just really like bugged me because like i made the comment back to him and again i don't know you know i don't know this person so i don't know if you know what his attitude was and it's like again you know we kind of fill fill that in ourselves but um i was like would you say that about your pastor well he's good good enough um where can I purchase this mic? Sounds really awesome. Uh, I got it off Amazon. Uh, I can post the link to it uh, in the description at the end of this. Um, but what I was saying is that, like, you know, no one would ever sit there and go, "Yeah, our pastor's good. He's okay. You know, like he's good enough." You know, like people would like they want their pastor to be good. You know, and obviously not everyone is going to be Stephen Furtick or Bill Johnson. But you know, I've ha- had a lot of pastors that are not those people, and they're great. They're completely different from those people, but they're amazing. And, you know, some of them aren't even pastors anymore. But I would love, if they started a church today, I would be there because I love them. And um, it's one of those, it's one of those things that, like, that just kind of frustrates me where it's, like, technology always just gets, like, pushed off because, like, technology is not important. You know, the ministry is important. Like, we're more worried, and he made the comment about, like, we're more worried about, like, the men's ministry and the women's ministry. And it's like, listen, like, I get that people are important. Like, I'm not trying to say that, like, the camera that I'm sitting here on is more important than that that soul. What I'm saying is that the camera I'm using right now, I'm using that camera to reach these people. And it's a ministry. You know, like, I've seen so many weird ministries out there, like crocheting ministries, where like groups of women get together to crochet, and they call that a ministry. And that's great. I think that is a ministry. But the crocheting is not the important part. It's the people that are using, like they're using crocheting to get people together. And that's what I'm saying is that technology is so important to us and for us to do our ministry correctly. And I get that, yep, our sound system works great. We don't budget for it. And it's like, cool. I'm not saying you need to you know, be going out and buying a $10,000, you know, this every single month with your budget. I'm saying is like, you should be planning to replace a sound system, replace a soundboard, buying batteries, like those things. Like if I have to budget for my household, you should be budgeting for every single aspect that you can for your ministry because it's irresponsible for you to all of a sudden have a $40,000 budget item that you need to get, you need to fix because it broke because your building got struck by lightning. Someone did something stupid and now your congregation has to pay for that. Like out of, you know, we're now we're struggling because we had to spend $40,000 to do, you know, fix our sound system or whatever that may be. And now we're struggling to pay our bills because that happened. Whereas if we would have just been budgeting for it over the course of time, then it's fine. It's good to go. You know, and I don't think that the congregation is going to have a problem with that. You know, it's one of those things that's like if you're a small church of 100 people and, you know, the church brings in, say, you know, $400,000 a year. uh, And I don't know if that's what a 100 person church would do, but just using we'll say half a million for easy math. It's like taking, you know, like 5% of that a year and putting it in a budget for AV 
is not crazy. When we do budgeting for builds, we say anywhere between five and twenty percent, depending on what you you know, like the quality of AV you want for a building. So it's like if it's a million dollar building, then you are going to be planning on spending probably close to two hundred thousand dollars on AV for the main sanctuary. Like that's not a crazy thought process, especially when you think about. You know, when you when you buy something for yourself, like say you go out and you buy a brand new car, and that car costs you say thirty five thousand dollars. Thirty five thousand dollars when you make probably forty to sixty thousand dollars is fifty percent of one year's income. But the thing is that that's that car is going to last you probably ten to fifteen years. So the investment is totally worth it. Well, I'm here to tell you that most churches can invest in a high-quality sound system that will last them 10 to 15 years before it needs to be replaced, if it even needs to be replaced at that point. So that's the thing that I say, is that like you have to look on the ROI and look at the investment, and budgeting for that is super, super important. I had another comment here from Sarah. Uh, stewardship is so important, and remaining relevant is something we are told to do. Our message doesn't change, but our presentation does. Technology is such a powerful tool. Yeah, I couldn't have said that better. Like that is so spot on. You know, like we're supposed to be the beacon of light. And uh, a friend of mine said that the church used to be the center of all art and all those things. Like looking at how we did everything, you know, back when the church started. Like we we're supposed to be the people that everyone looks to. And we are starting, we're starting to see that. Uh, we didn't see the house worship market in AV world like be a real predominant thing. And now uh, you're really starting to see it. You're seeing like companies like L Acoustics have house of worship verticals. You're seeing Digico hiring, you know, people from the house of worship market to go specifically after the house of worship market. Uh, there's a ton of people that are doing that. And I think that it's because they're understanding how much people want to do this in this. And, I think that there are people that can abuse this as well. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, I've seen ministries that I've worked with or been a part of that I go, wow, you are really wasting money on technology. You know, and sometimes that is you're buying equipment that's really fancy equipment that you don't need to buy, or you're not knowledgeable enough and you're buying equipment that you don't know how to use and you think that it's crappy because you don't know how to use it. I've been a part of those things. And that's why it's so important for us to be educated, for us to have vision cast. Have I mentioned casting vision before? Um, okay. So Sally said, I, I agree. Sarah is very important to stay relevant and tech is important. Yeah. It's just one of those things that, um, we've had, I've, I've had so many conversations with people where they're like, you know, Oh, I went to this church and it was like just distracting. And I'm like, yep, totally get that. Like I have a hard time watching some of the church on the move stuff because I feel like it's a little bit overload. But like then I look at Elevation and Bethel and like they're doing LED walls, moving lights, those kind of things. And I don't get distracted by anything that they're doing. And now granted, I haven't been there in person, so maybe it's different. But at the same time, those are also ministries that are like exploding. I mean, honestly, church on the move is massive too. So there's got to be something to that. Uh, Sarah also just said, how important would you say it is for the church to have some type of podcast offering outside of Sunday sermon? Uh, are you talking about like doing a podcast that's not just the Sunday morning sermon, like something kind of like what I'm doing right now? Is that what you're talking about? This is on like a little bit of a delay, so uh, I'm going to keep talking while she answers that. Um, so yeah, the budgeting thing is just like, he wasn't willing to, 
he wasn't willing to talk to the pastor. Pastor's his mind's not going to change. I've I've been a volunteer there for twenty years, and he's not going to change his mind. And I'm like, man, I'm like, I feel like you're kind of part of the problem if you're not even willing to like. There's that level of like being persistent, being respectful. Um, is casting vision something you're passionate about? LOL. Yes, casting vision is something I'm very, 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 very passionate about because it's so important and no one does it in our industry for some reason. And when I say no one, for the, all those people out there, yes, I understand some people do it. But when I say no one, when there's 40,000 churches and it feels like only 0.001% of them are casting vision, yes. Clearly, I'm going to state that no one's doing it. So, um, so yeah, your podcast question. How important, sorry, excuse me, would you say it is for a church to have some type of podcast offering outside of Sunday service, sermons? I think that that's unbelievably important. Um, it's the same thing I've been kind of preaching about why the church isn't on YouTube. I think that podcasts in the general sense, have always been this 45-minute to an hour-long thing, and I don't think they need to be. There are a couple of people that podcast that I love their podcasts because they are posting hour-and-a-half podcasts, 10-minute podcasts, 30-minute podcasts. Sometimes I have to go to the store, and I'm going to be there for 15 minutes, or I'm driving to work, and it's a 10-minute drive. I'd like to finish a podcast, you know, so I can scroll through their podcast and see a 10-minute podcast and hit play. And then there's other times where it's like, hey, I'm going to be grocery shopping for an hour and I want to throw my you know, my AirPods in and I want to listen. And boom, I can sit there and I can listen to an hour and a half long podcast while I am grocery shopping. Um, so yeah, I think it's really important. And I think that you know, for most people, most churches in general, I think that you know, if I look at the small, small churches of like 100 per people or 50 people, is that, yeah, it would be great to have, you know, there's usually someone in the congregation that the that the pastor and the elder board trust that they could sit, pull up their phone, pull up a voice memo, and just say, hey, I'm so-and-so from blank church, you know, want to take 10 minutes and let's just do a small little devotional. You know, I was reading in blank, you know, book, this, and I just wanted to say that this is something that's super encouraging. You know, we see a lot of these churches now that are doing like their, their prayer every Sunday, you know, every morning on Facebook Live. And, you know, it's like seven, 10 minutes long. It's like, man, record that audio and post it on podcast. People will eat that up, like just putting out content like crazy. It's just like uh, Gary V talks about how where the ABC, NBC, and CBS are now Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, you know, or Twitter or whatever. And I think that it's just super important to just put out content. The way that algorithms work and the way that consistency works is that people like consistency and people like content. And if you are posting a lot of content, like on YouTube, they say that you have a heart, like you won't be considered like a full blown YouTuber and you won't be really successful on YouTube until you've hit a hundred videos. And the reason why that is, is because people like to see consistency. When they go to a channel and they see four or five videos, they go, okay, well, is this person going to continue to make videos? I don't want to get into a quote unquote virtual relationship with someone and then have it just disappear. Um, think about watching a TV show. You don't want to get engulfed in a TV show if you know that there's only one season. 
Um, okay, so yeah, I just the, to wrap that question up, I think that it, it is really important. I think it's easy to do that. So, uh, all right, Sarah's got one more question, then I'm gonna wrap this up because I do. Uh, I was gonna go for about 30 minutes, run about 40. So, what is a good way to get people about using their creative talent in the church? Finding committed volunteers can be difficult. What's your advice on approaching that? So, I asked that question to a lot of people in my podcast and I don't think that there's like a real good answer. Get people excited. Um, yeah, I think that there's a handful of things and it comes back to that vision thing is that when we started casting vision to the congregation, sorry, I'm getting a little stuffy. Um, when we started casting vision to our congregation, when I was at the last large church that I was at in the college ministry, and we presented, hey, this is what we're planning on doing. This is what we want to do. Uh, people were getting excited about it. They were like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Like, we're trying to, like, you're gonna, you're seeing these cameras and everything. Like, the point of the cameras were not for you to not come into service. Like, we wanted to build community because we believed community was important. And... The idea was, hey, we wanted to go. We wanted to reach people that weren't willing to come into our building because there's a ton of people that are unwilling to come into a church, no matter what. I've had people go, "Oh, you're going to a concert? Who's the concert for?" And I'm like, "It's Blank Band." And they're like, "Oh, I love Blank Band. Where's it at?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's at this church." And they're like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna go." Uh, when I was working at that large church uh, and I was trying to book concerts. Uh, I actually had artists that were unwilling to come and play our facility because we were a church and they didn't want to play at a church because they knew that people would not come and see them because they was at a church. They would rather go to a Christian college because people are willing to go to Christian colleges because it's not a church. It's still technically a college. So I think that that's really interesting. But when we were casting the vision of saying, hey, we want to be able to reach these people so that they can that they can hear what we're all about and see that we're different from the church that they remember, uh, whether they were previous attendees or it's people that were hurt by the older versions of church because let's be honest with ourselves, that's a huge thing in this country is that one of the reasons why we are where we are is because the church hurt a lot of people for a long time. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of churches that are still hurting people. And that's really unfortunate, but there are a lot of really good churches out there still. And the word of God and how he feels about people has never changed. And the way he is with people is more important. So, um, yeah, the casting a vision of why we're doing it changed the way people thought of it. Uh, and I made that comment about the one church that I worked at for a short period of time with the guy that came in and was like, why did we spend all this money on this? You know, and it was like, well, when you put it in perspective of how many people we could reach doing this, he was like, that totally makes sense. Now, there's a lot more that plays into that, obviously. But, yeah, I think that just getting people to go to understand, like, people don't like shaking people's hands. A lot of people are very, like, timid about that. or But they're willing to do it because they know it's important. Because usually, you know, the greeting ministry, the first impressions ministry is so celebrated because it's a first impression but in my opinion, the online version of our church is actually the first impression. Uh, most people today, and Sarah, and uh, I don't know about you, but would you say that when you are looking for a new church, what's the first thing that you do? 
I know for me, I get on their website or their Facebook and I watch their sermon. I look at the people that are commenting on their stuff because I want to know the type of people that are there. I want to see the type of information that they're giving. I want to see how the pastor speaks. I want to see how the worship is. So our online presence is our first impression. So cool. You guys have some really nice people shaking people's hands when you walk in and your signs are super awesome and the facility is nice and clean. That's great. If you can't get people in because they they look at your website and you, your video looks like trash and it doesn't look like you pay attention to it. Now, there's a difference of like we just started doing this and we're trying to figure it out and we're trying to like we didn't want to just sink, you know, $100 million into it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like for me, if you go back and look at my videos, you can see the progression of my videos changing as I am trying to better them one by one. You know, every video gets a little bit nicer. It gets a little bit better. I mean, down to like, look at how I have this kind of set up comparatively. If you go back to the first video I posted about a month ago, it's like there's significant differences here. And that's me because I'm learning and I'm doing different things. Those are all important. So I'm not sitting here saying that the first month that you guys are live streaming or the first, you know we decided to pay attention to our website and it's not that good. You know, I'm not trying to I'm not downplaying that. I'm not saying you guys are doing that bad. What I'm saying is that like when you aren't caring and you're not doing anything and you're like it's good enough. People can see us. That's all that matters. I I personally don't think that that's good enough. I believe that um let me say this correctly. Um, there's a spirit of excellence that I've always been taught that we need. And I believe we're not doing things with a spirit of excellence. Good enough is a bad attitude to have, in my opinion. Now, you can be overly the next, the other way and go, it's never good enough. And I think that's also equally as not okay. I think that at some point in time, you, you need to understand what is okay and what, what is not. Um, but yeah, so hopefully that answered your question. I think that when people are excited, I think uh, when things are happening, what we see in a lot of churches is when they do these big upgrades because they haven't done a tech upgrade in 15, 20 years, um, people tend to want to volunteer when there's new toys because it looks like you're being intentional. Like, oh, we spent a bunch of money, the church did, on all of this, and now they're they're paying attention to it. Okay, yeah, I want to be a part of that camera ministry, or yeah, I, I'll run, you know, I'll run the new soundboard. Uh, I'll I'll run the the new lights. That sounds fun. That looks cool. Um, a lot of people don't know how to do it. So, um, my. My suggestion is always get up in front of people and say, hey, we're looking for people. And I don't care if you don't know what you're doing. I can I can teach you how to do it. You know, most of it's presets and things like that. We just want someone that has a, a willing heart, wants to serve, and will fill in the gaps. Now, sometimes those, those volunteers are terrible, absolutely terrible. And you're going to have to try to find something else for them because there's a level – that you need. But what I've found is that that's pretty far and few between few and far between. There we go. Said that backwards I'm talking like Yoda, but, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a delicate balance and you're never going to get it all a hundred percent right the first time, but I think it's, it's good. Um, all right. So you said same. I, I want to know what's important to them, get their vibe. And when they have a creative website, it means a lot to me. Right. And I mean, I don't even think the website needs to be like super fancy or anything. I just think that it needs to look like, you know, they tried, 
<laughs> I've gone to some some websites where I'm like, you know, I'm like this website's pretty terrible, but at least it looks like they're like it's updated and it looks like they're like attempting. Like maybe they have a volunteer that is not a web designer doing that website. I don't have a problem with that. I think that's great. You know, but then there's those churches that are like, wow, you paid a lot of money for a fancy website that you're not updating um, at all. And you can tell those things. And at all, it's like the websites are kind of a weird thing and it's hard to make a judgment based off a website. But again, it is the first impressions. So um, Sally said, our pastor does short little devotionals on YouTube now and then. And I love them. Yeah, I think that a lot of people really like those. I mean, you guys are sitting here on um, Effort Translation. Yes, Effort does translate well. Uh, but sorry, I'm getting distracted by comments. Um, so yes, Ellie, I, I agree. That's why I've been preaching so hard that YouTube is something. When I say YouTube, and I've said this before, it's like Kleenex, you know, facial tissue. Kleenex is a brand. Um, yeah, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram TV, you know, all those things. It is so important for our churches to be on those platforms and not just on a Sunday morning, you know, on stage thing. There's so many good things that could come out of this and drive it. So, all right, guys, well, I need to wrap up. So thank you so much for watching. Uh, make sure you are subscribing. It is super important that you do that. Make sure you hit that thumbs up and the notification bell. And again, uh, I'm also on Instagram. So make sure you're following me there. Um, and again, the podcast, it is, hang on, um, what is the podcast name? Technical Arts with Justin Edmonds. It's super fun, uh, and I think it's super fun because it's me doing it. Let's see if I can pull it up here. Yep, Technical Arts Podcast with Justin Edmonds. Here it is. I don't know if you can see that, but that's it right there. Um, make sure you go subscribe. Give me a five-star review on the old iTunes, uh, the podcast app. It's on Spotify. It's on Anchor. Uh, it's on all of those platforms. Make sure you go subscribe. Give it the five stars and comment down below on it. Uh, tell people what you think of it. It is long form, short form. A lot of this audio from these videos, I've just been posting on there as well. So you can listen to it if you don't get a chance to watch it. Uh, but then I also, like I said, sit down, have conversations for 30 minutes to an hour or so with uh, people in the industry. If there's someone you want me to have a conversation with, please comment that in this video and on my Facebook. Let me know, hey, hey, can you get a hold of you know blank person and talk with them? And this is what I would really want to hear you guys talk about. Chad Vegas from Transformation and Bethel Church. We talk for an hour just about video broadcast and how important that is and how, you know, why he is doing what he's doing. There's a bunch of that kind of content that's really fun. So again, thank you so much for watching 